0: Welcome to the Flying Solo podcast, a show for those going it alone in business. I'm your host, Robert Gerrish. Flying Solo is an Australian online community and home to stacks of free resources, discussion forums, professional development tools, and a whole lot more. Find us at flyingsolo.com.au or join us on Facebook. My guest is Roger LaSalle a professional engineer, entrepreneur and an international expert in the area of business innovation. His highly acclaimed matrix thinking model is today being used in around 30 countries and has been licensed to Deloitte for their innovation academy. Roger says that at the heart of success lies observation and it's that theory we're here to pull apart. So hello Roger, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh no, uh, good, good afternoon or good morning Robert, it's an absolute pleasure.
0: Good thank you now i was I was saying in our little sort of pre recording chat that I think our paths crossed ooh about ten years ago but um, it was it was a long time ago. but the wonderful thing is that ever since that that time that I saw you presenting. Um, I've been subscribed to your wonderful little email newsletter and I've been getting your sort of drip feed intelligence uh, pretty well every couple of weeks for the 10 years. So About, now look, about monthly. I, I try not to overdo that because right. um, you're
1: in people's face all the time. But yes. about monthly I send one out. Yeah,
0: well, I'd say whatever it is, it, it's, uh, it's pretty good. So thank, thank you so much. The, the frequency is good and the content is good. Now, look, as a, as a business strategist and innovator, Um, I'd like to sort of start off perhaps by just saying what sort of drove you to concentrate on this whole area of observation? It's not a word that we often hear in business.
1: Well, uh, it's interesting. Oh, heavens, where do you start? Any way you like. I I, I guess probably, um, uh, look, I've been I've been inventor and a, a lunatic engineer type person since I was a small kid, and uh, well, engineering was always always my passion, and uh, I actually developed my first product in my early twenties. It was nationally sold in all the hardware shops. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a very great success, I have to say. I didn't lose a lot of I didn't lose any money actually. I didn't make any money, but it nearly killed me. Three years of very uh, stressful work. Right, but. Um, that started me to ask, what is it that makes something successful? You know, what are what are some of the drivers? And um, some years later, I was working as a general manager for a company and um, I invented a product. And that actually rocketed that company into international success and that, that was 87. They still exist today. Mm. Um, and uh, the reason I came up with that idea was because I heard someone swear right <laughs> literally and and I sort of said what's your problem and he told me and I thought oh that's interesting and then I said um, is this a big deal and he said well yeah everyone in the world's got this problem that works in this industry and I thought whoa that's interesting uh, and so to cut a long story short I solved the problem patented a product and that Became an international success. Hmm. And okay, so that like it, it was observation that made that happen.
0: Yeah, and it was observation, clearly of a of a real sort of pain uh, in action, wasn't it? You know, we often talk about pains and and satisfying people's pains. So, you observed, you heard one kind of close up. But so, on a sort of daily basis, how do we, do you think, as small businesses? How do we use that? I mean, you know, I can imagine someone listening going, yeah, well, of course I observe, you know, I watch things. But how do we observe at that sort of level, at the level that we're likely to turn something in, into something that might ultimately succeed?
1: Well, um, I, I've, uh, essentially, I've created what I call an opportunity matrix, uh, and I have a, a coined a phrase or a term called opportunity capture and, and basically where I'm coming from, I say <clears throat> um, to create anything in business, innovation, a new method, new process, whatever is all about first observing, finding, a, finding an opportunity and then having exploring the innovation of what I can do with it and so on. So um, if you wander around just walk around the block hmm. knowing what to look for I can almost guarantee there will be an opportunity there waiting to be had. <laughs>
0: uh, and I'll, I'll give you plenty of examples of this uh, as we go on. OK, so but presumably the, the as you say, walking around the block, you'll, you'll see opportunities. But you, you I guess the, the key point about what you're saying is you have to know where to look, don't you? Because an opportunity doesn't jump out in front of you when you walk around the block. You've absolutely got to know. So would it be relevant at this point to share that sort of... Um, matrix that you just mentioned then? Well, yes, indeed. Uh, okay. And I have to say this, and I say this in many of my
1: talks, opportunities do not occur in nature. Opportunities occur because we see them. And I like to use examples of um, uh, Archimedes, uh, you know, observing that his body displaced water. Mm. Now, that had been happening for a million years, but no one actually observed it. Um, you know, his body displaced his volume of water. Um, the same sort of thing with Galileo in, in observing the period of a of a, fla- of a swinging lamp in a cathedral. Uh, Isaac Newton. Um, ever since the world was created, things had fallen to the ground, but he was the first one that said, "Hey, everything falls to the earth. How come? What yeah. is this?" And and based on that, he says, "Let's. I want to understand this." And so, I say opportunities don't occur in
0: nature. They occur because we see them. Hmm. And I I guess one of the key things, I'm not wanting to jump in front of of what you might be telling us in a moment about with your Mm -hmm. matrix, but I guess one of the key things there is is we have to allow ourselves some real space and time. You know, I mean, the story goes that that dear old Isaac was sitting under a tree relaxing when he thought about the apple. I mean, we've got to get ourselves out of our businesses, do we not, to kind of observe these sort of things?
1: Well, yes, I I do agree with that. And and I must say, i found that if I'm focusing deeply, deeply on a problem and I, you know, spend 24-7 thinking about it uh, and sort of you're just you're not getting there. Sometimes I find if I go and read a book, unrelated, you know what it's like, your mind works in the background and it's ticking away and suddenly a solution occurs. Often it is the fact that you can get away from it, that the penny drops. Some of my best ideas actually occur while I'm in the shower. Be-
0: well, not believe it or not, I'm sure you'd believe it mm, because that's
1: when you're really relaxed and just you know think about anything.
0: Mm. Okay, so how does that? How does the matrix work? How do we turn this sort of thinking and this process yep. into something tangible that someone someone can use?
1: Yes, indeed, and that's why I created this. And essentially, uh, I call it matrix thinking because the tools I've developed um, are a rectangular array of words, right. a very simple uh, array. Uh, and on the vertical left axis, there are words, keywords I call seeds. Right. And these are what I call the fundamentals of, um, a mat- of the, the opportunity matrix. There are five seeds. Mm-hmm. And this is a bit like you plant a seed and then you water it and it grows. Right.
0: Um,
1: and on the top horizontal axis, I have the stuff you water the seed with and they're referred to as catalysts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you can see a rectangular drawing now with seeds down the left and catalysts along the top. Yep. Now, for the opportunity matrix, there are five seeds and these are very simple and then I'll show you how you can use them. Okay, perfect. Uh, the first one is what I refer to as a predictable activity. Now, it's all activity-based because that's what humans do. It's not nature, it's activity. So the first one's predictable activity. Um, if I can predict something's going to happen – then perhaps I can position myself to take advantage of what I know will happen in the in the future. It could be the immediate future or the slightly longer term. Hmm. So that's pretty obvious, isn't it? Yep. Um, the next one is called widespread activity. Um, one of the I see many inventors, many people come to me with new ideas, and one of the common problems I find is that people have solved a problem for maybe themselves, but not for everyone.
0: Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I remember reading uh, some findings of a survey recently about why so many of these new startups are not succeeding, and one of the main reasons they're not succeeding is there's no market for their products.
1: Well, look, um, I always say to people, how many risks are there in business? I can tell you right now, there's only two risks. One, can we do it? You know, like, can we make it? Well, the tech tech heads will tell you that in the first 30 seconds. And, and they'll certainly give you the degree of difficulty in trying to do something. So that's the first risk, can we do it? Well, we, I don't worry about that because I know we can assess and measure that. Yep. The second risk is, can we sell it? Mm. And that's where everyone fails. Any business that fails, almost without exception, fails because they couldn't sell their product. So um, mm. the first thing I look at um, when I'm looking at any new opportunities, what's the market risk? Anyway, so the second thing is um, widespreadness, I call it.
0: Okay, so predictable activity, widespread activity or widespreadness. Yes, and I'll give an example of that, uh, Mm. if I may. Um, Many
1: years ago, uh, and I'm, gee, 20 years ago, I guess, a fellow invented a paint roller that was a little tiny paint roller about, I don't know, four centimetres long and about one and a half centimetres in diameter with a little handle on it. Mm -hmm. The purpose to put suntan lotion on your back right like woo mm. how many of those are you going to sell you know i mean <laughs> it's just great this fellow um tooled this he manufactured it he advertised it he patented it and i and like how many would you sell none because it's not a widespread problem
0: mm. it's it's funny interesting you say that because it's it's a com- it's a problem that everyone's aware of, so yes it's a it's a problem, but I guess as you say, it's not a widespread problem it's not an insurmountable problem. We well, seem to have found ways around it, don't we yeah
1: well get a girlfriend <laughs> get a boyfriend or whatever it is you know like it's not a difficult problem to solve, and' it's certainly mm. not going to rush out and spend money on this right.
0: I'm guessing have, that one didn't end happily then
1: uh well, i mean that's no, it did not right, but funny enough, you know in the last Two or three months, I've seen. I think on the market, I'm sure I saw advertising television quite recently. Somebody with something similar, hmm. which is quite surprising to me, because my guess is it'll end in much the, much the same way. But anyway, so the second one is widespreadness. We have yep. predictable, widespread. The next one is what I call repetition, or repetitious activity. Yep. If you see something occurring uh, in a repetitive basis. You can almost guarantee there's an opportunity. Um, anything that's happened uh, repetitiously, you can, you can see opportunities either for automation, but in many cases, you can't automate the thing. Mm-hmm. So you can say, well, let's take advantage of the repetition. We know, for example, the garbage truck is going to predictably, widespreadly, and repetitiously drive down my street every, day, every week. Yep. Okay. Well, now I know that. What Else, can the garbage truck do well? It could read them, read the remote meters, it could uh, deliver the local paper, they could advertise on it. Um, it, it some councils are actually putting cameras on the front of their trucks to measure the um the roadscape or the streetscape mm. on a weekly basis. Okay.
0: So, here's an example of finding uh, an opportunity just simply by looking at repetition. Mm. Okay, so what I, love, I I'm getting it now. So, what you're saying is that even though we might we may still have no idea what what um, business solution we came up come up with what we're doing is we're just looking at these seeds we're looking at something that's widespread we're looking at something that happens regularly and then what you're suggesting is you're inviting us to kind of brainstorm off that and say okay so the garbage truck comes down the street once a week what else could it be doing whilst it's coming down the street well, that's quite right, mm. but I don't simply say brainstorm. I don't like the term brainstorm oh, okay, because good.
1: To, to me it doesn't have any meaning. Right. Um, so once we've found these uh, seeds on the left, um, and there are two others, one's called comparison, another one's called trends, right. then we, in order to trigger thinking about those, we use the catalysts, which are on the top horizontal axis. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now you can see we have the intersection of a seed and a catalyst stimulates a way to think.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Got God, I'm with you. Okay. Now,
1: so you're not just you know blindly saying, "Ooh, the garbage truck drives down the street." Let's brainstorm that. That's dumb. <laughs> so what okay, I So the catalyst might be uh, a classic catalyst is tracking. Uh, tracking literally means follow a product or a service or or a, an activity, and just watch, watch what happens, watch, find out where the frustration points are by watching. Um. You know, follow someone around a supermarket and just watch what they do. Hmm. Um, don't ask them because often people don't know what their frustrations are. But if you follow them, you'll observe them. Another one is, I wish, um, you know, put a product down on the on the bench that's been used widespreadly and um, uh, predictably in a manner. It could be a, a saw or a, a, a computer keyboard. I don't care. And say... If I gave you a wish, what would you wish about that? Hmm. and
0: you get a list of twenty ideas in you know a minute and so you ask this of any user of 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 anything or or any
1: independent group that i've put together that 's observed these things and hmm. I, I can give you a classic example of how we 've used this in in a very large company um, some years ago, I was doing a um, a workshop with a very large white goods manufacturer in europe they were one of the biggest in europe and i said uh, in our activity we were going to use a product innovation matrix which is is a slightly different drawing mm. and uh, i said right we're going to use a product innovation matrix and we're going to innovate a front loading washing machine with that the boss stood up and he said uh, look this is all fine and dandy but um, where do you start? Right. You know, we're going to start on the knobs, the color, the shape, the size. The Where do you start? And I said, excellent question. That's where we use the opportunity matrix. So what I did was had each people, uh, each of the uh, groups, we had a number of groups. I said, I want you to pretend you're watching someone use a front-loading washing machine, and I want you to list – the possible frustrations. List the wishes that you would have if you were a user. Hmm. List the new functions it could have. It's um, so on, so and so on. And we did that. And after we'd done that, we simply compared some of these things and found the most common wishes and frustrations. And you know what that was? It was quite. I mean, we had some fairly high-level one. Um, you know, most commonly repeated
0: ones. But the biggest one was having to bend over. Do you know, that's exactly what I thought, That's what I hoped you were going to say.
1: It's exactly what they came up with. The biggest Hmm. frustration was having to bend over. (laughs) So then I said to the group, "Okay, we now understand the problem. We don't want to bend over. So then, so what are the solutions? Well, don't have a front loader. No, we want a front loader because it's got certain benefits so when we go to the product innovation manage uh, uh matrix we we come to the uh, catalyst in that that says re-question it says uh, have you asked the right question and so the question is not why do we have to bend over um, sorry the question is uh, let me just try and try and get this question right <laughs> the question is not we're annoyed about bending over the question is why do we have to bend over? Hmm. And you say, well, because the machine's on the ground. So what's the solution?
0: Take the machine off the ground.
1: Exactly. Lift hmm. it off, off the ground. And once you've done that, it's now at the right level.
0: But not only did that solve the problem, but it spawned a new product. Didn't it spawn a new problem as well? Like where would you stick it? A- washing no, machine no? no
1: because now they've they make a doodah that fits underneath it there's is just a storage cupboard. oh okay so they've actually created a new product to sell <coughs> with a front loading washing machine
0: <coughs> hmm i'm impressed okay and are they manufacturing this now is it happening uh, look I, I i
1: believe they are but the bottom line is that's that's a mechanism, and I can give you plenty
0: of other ways we've used this in the service industry as well. It's, it's so so simple. Well, look, let's let's. Uh, I, I'm going to take you up on that in a moment. So at the moment we've got we have catalysts, we've got tracking. I wish. And does that d- does it continue? Are there others? <coughs> yeah, there's about eight of them. In fact, okay. I don't have the opportunity matrix. What? Yes, I do have it in front of me right now. Hold on, a
1: second. <coughs> Dig it up.
0: There that's right there's
1: about eight there's about eight of them in the uh, opportunity matrix Hmm. uh in the product
0: innovation matrix there are 12 um and now whilst you whilst you're digging that one out you're you're a man who loves what's the plural of matrix is it matrices 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 so you're a lover of matrices aren't you
1: well i i wasn't before i did this in fact um, you, I don't know if you're a mathematician, but I'm an engineer and studied. Uh, there's a whole subject called matrices. Right, I'm well, about as far from a
0: mathematician as you can get, so I'm not well, one of them.
1: Well, believe me, there is a, a, a huge study of matrices, uh, matrix mathematics. Okay. You can you know add and divide and subtract and multiply matrices, uh, matrices as they're called, and right. do almost stuff. Anyway, <clears throat> the catalysts for um, the opportunity matrix yeah. are. Uh, frustration future gazing which means stand in the future and look back at what you see happening and say why is it like this because I can promise you your great-grandchildren when they look at it are going to laugh mm. the next one is called make a wish I wish yep. the next one is called Requestion. can you ask a better question mm. why are we doing this the next one is called technology What technology could I apply to this problem to remove it? Uh,
0: The next one is called tracking, which means um, let's... (coughs) That's that's the following the person around the supermarket.
1: Correct. And and a good example of that is uh, honey. When honey was provided in uh, jars, people were were frustrated and annoyed because it was sticky and messy.
0: Hmm.
1: When they put it in squeeze containers, sales essentially doubled. It's still sticky and messy, though. I don't like those squeeze containers, but that's another topic. Well, it is another topic, I guess. But so you possibly buy it in jars from your local... um, It's it's uh, an improvement
0: uh, on jars, I'll give you that much.
1: Yeah, and uh, the next one is called transfer. Um, Look what is happening in another paradigm and see if you can transfer it to this paradigm. Uh, And I've used that very, very successfully. In fact, I've just returned from uh, overseas and uh, I did a workshop for an organization, uh, a cell phone company, uh, there about, it's mm, got to be three years ago. Uh, we did three workshops over three days, massive workshop, about 80 people in mm-hmm. each one. Um, and we solved, we, we addressed a problem they had, and we used this opportunity matrix and we used a transfer catalyst. And funny, I ran into the CEO of this organization at the airport going into the uh, the place. And he told me that they're just rolling it out. It's taken them a couple of years to get all the ducks in a row. He said, this has absolutely blitzed the competition. <laughs> this, and I can explain exactly what it was we did, if you wish. But Yeah, go on. Let's hear it. Well, this was a cell phone company that had a monopoly. Uh, there was only one, um, only one cell phone carrier allowed in this country. Right. And the government said, we're going to deregulate, let anybody else in. So the workshops were, how can we hold our customers? And so what, I, what we did was we looked at um, who very successfully holds their customers. And the answer to that is banks. Hmm. You never leave your bank, not because you're in love with your bank, because it's too hard. Yeah, you don't want to unravel all of that. Oh, it's, it's just ridiculous. You know, new credit cards, new direct debits. You know, like
0: you're dreaming. No one leaves their bank. It's terrible. But also, I guess you tend to think that, well, every other bank's going to be much the same anyway. Well, that's very true. Mm. You're quite
1: right. You I know, mean, marginal difference between any of them. In fact, I've just done a whole work- series of workshops overseas with a bank, and I sort of said to them, does anyone love you? No one loves their bank. <laughs> we all hate you. Um, so let's work out ways to create love. Mm. And that's what we, our workshop was on. Creatible.
0: Okay. So back to the phone people then.
1: Yeah, the phone people. So we said, in this particular country, it's a sort of a second emerging third world, third world emerging second world country. Yeah. Um, what we discovered in the workshop that predictably, widespreadly and repetitiously, everybody pays every account, you know, gas, electricity, water, you name it, by cash. Mm-hmm. They go to the office and they pay cash in each of these utilities. Wow. So we said why doesn't this phone carrier become a a central point for payment so that once you're a customer Mm. of that phone carrier i can go there and i can pay all of my bills at one point
0: nice and very hot you wouldn't want to unravel that would you well
1: exactly well it took them nearly three years to get it organized in terms of all the um, compliance issues but now they've done it they have retained 85 percent of the market And this, uh, these other carriers that have come in at enormous expense just cannot, cannot churn these people away because it's too hard. Mm.
0: Now, look, I've got one question because I, I believe, would I be right in saying, Roger, that you are technically a solo operator as well or do you have a number of people around you?
1: No, I work by myself, but I have, I have representatives in all these countries that teach my material, and oh, okay. uh, but I always work by myself. But, yeah, okay. So, okay.
0: and in, in a situation like that, I'm just intrigued. And if, if you don't want to answer this question, you just say so. When you go into a, an organization like that and you help them find a solution that is going to revolutionize their business and, and very importantly, b- b- Kind of guarantee the future of their business when the doors are about to be opened a lot yep. wider. Do You literally just kind of get a fee for turning up and doing that, or do you? Yes. Get, you don't get a clip of the ticket going forward, sort of thing.
1: Uh, no, I don't. I don't. But, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, often, uh, out of some of these sessions, uh, comes opportunities to do other stuff that i find and i'm i'm doing uh, some stuff now and i develop my own products i'm de- doing two products course, at the moment of course. i
0: forgot you are you you're deep down you are absolutely an inventor aren't you and you're still inventing well, exactly and in mm. fact i'll tell you an interesting one out of this um
1: using this matrix i did a, a, a session in istanbul uh for a a uh, petroleum company some year about 18 months ago actually right. and um I started the session by saying, you know this global warming stuff, believe it or not, everyone in the world is trying to shut you down? You know, that's, that's not about loving your oil company. We're all trying to put you out of business. Um, so then we started looking at power usage. And I did a quick calculation, and, and any, any even non-technical person can do this, mm. um, assuming it takes an hour, In Istanbul, it's very, very busy traffic. It takes about two hours to drive to work. Right. Um, There's about four million people driving to work every morning. For one hour of those two hours, you are stopped in the traffic with your foot on the the brake, Hmm. with your brake light on. A very quick calculation will show there is 200 megawatt hours of electricity used every morning in Istanbul, just on car stoplights.
0: <laughs> so how do you, where's the opportunity there? Well, uh, two
1: things. Firstly, if you use LEDs, that drops by a factor of between 10 and 20. Fantastic. Instead of lights. But more to the point, out of that, I've developed a new car brake light and I'm just waiting for prototypes at the moment. Um, and uh, I, n- I haven't lodged patents for this yet. I write patents as well. I haven't lodged my patent yet, but I intend to, so I won't disclose it. But no. The people that are doing this are just blown away by by
0: what this new brake light does. Fantastic! And uh, that came out of that. Well, that's, uh, that's a lovely that's a lovely side effect of uh, of your work, isn't it? And, and obviously, yeah. but that's the man you are. You can't stop thinking of innovations well, well, and ways to. You see these things. Do you know? It's interesting.
1: I um, I did I did a similar calculation on um, energy used on mobile phones, um. Future, char- most people charge their mobile phone overnight when they're asleep mm-hmm. um, I did a quick calculation. I think just from memory now, it's three point6 million million watt hours of energy used uh, every day to charge mobile phones worldwide. My goodness. Do you want three point three you thousand know, gigawatt hours
0: to, to charge mobile phones?:
1: Yeah. Now that's energy we didn't even think about a decade ago.
0: (laughs) That's remarkable.
1: But but these numbers are very simple to do. Mm. If you, I'll give you just a matter of interest. You know uh, what opportunity springs from that? How do you fix that? It's real simple. Give everyone a $2 solar cell with their phone and say, hang that out the window during the day and plug your phone into it at night. You know, it's charged the battery. It'll charge your phone.
0: Mm, And cost you nothing. Exactly. Mm. I
1: have to say, I met with one of our very large telcos about two years ago with an officer referred to as the sustainability officer. Mm. And I mentioned this to him. And then I had to poke him in the ribs to wake him up. It was just such a yawn. (laughs) Really? Yeah, you know, I promise you, I couldn't believe I'm thinking, this guy is a sustainability officer. I've just given him this insight into, you know, enormous opportunity for energy saving. And, you
0: know, like, and the guy, I'm talking between the zeds of his snoring. That, do you come across that sort of response very often? I mean, Yes. Is that, like, well, that must be killing and quashing so much innovation. It's just, it's, that's desperately sad, isn't
1: it? Well, I'll, I can tell you now, the... Um, the most common thing I hear from large companies uh, when I present uh, new ideas to people is, who else is doing it? No one. Oh, I don't want to be first.
0: Mm. That's really, that's unbelievably crazy, isn't it?
1: Yes. Look, I'll tell you, I, I detect, Robert, obviously your English accent. Mm. Um, I'll tell you another one where we've done this completely changed the business model in um Certainly Northern Ireland and now Southern Ireland, and I think it's going to morph into the EU. uh, And this is um, distribution of oil. Right. Uh, As you would be aware, in Europe, um, a lot of uh, domestic heating is hydronic driven by oil heaters. Um, You know, water being hit by oil. Absolutely. And one of the big problems that exists there is what's called bill shock where, you know, you, you forget about your oil tank and suddenly the, it's nearly empty and you ring up the man, he comes along and he fills it up and you get a bill for 1,500 quid
0: mm-hmm.
1: and everyone has a heart attack. Um, I did some work with a company over there that's about a 30 million pound business making oil tanks and they wanted to find a new way, you know, to try and innovate their businesses. So one of the things we started saying is how can we address this issue of bill shock? So with that, we came up with the idea, and this wasn't rocket science, but the model we used was, um, let us make a little radio device that sits on your tank that measures the oil level and radios it to a base station and that can be group- interneted to anywhere in the universe. So we actually, uh, they decided that was a great idea, um, this company in Northern Ireland was. Mm. I actually connected them with a company in Melbourne that did the development because uh, this, this company in Melbourne is just the best in the world at developing radio devices. Right. So they developed the device, put it on, and then they said, well, now we've got this thing. How are we going to launch it? You know, what's, what's the hook? And the hook was this, and this changed the business model. Again, we transferred it from the telcos. Um, when you get your cell phone, um, the telco gives you the cell phone if you sign up for them for three years. Yep. So we said to the oil companies, Why don't you give this to a customer? You'll then fill their tank on a periodic basis to prevent oil shock, uh, bill shock, and you'll give it to them free of charge if they contract you for three years. And why wouldn't they? And why wouldn't they? Mm. And it costs them nothing. Um, So this was another great example of using this matrix of, you know, the predictable widespread issue of oil, and, and then we borrowed the transferred the telco model to this to this situation
0: it was just perfect fantastic now look roger i'm let me i'm just going to to take us back to your your wonderful matrix that we were working on with seeds with catalysts. yep i've scribbled down and hopefully our listeners will will scribble down as much as they can from this podcasts of 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 the various words and themes that you've suggested if we want to find out more if we want to sort of get our hands on these catalysts we where should we go to we should head to your website i'm guessing
1: well i i haven't actually listed them on my
0: website um i mean i have written four books and they're described in these books and we can find your books on your website can't we absolutely
1: yeah they're they're available and you can buy them through paypal perfect Um, and that's
0: matrixthinking.com.au no, no are you. Oh, okay. Just matrix Mate, thinking. matrixthinking.com. It's just, it's
1: just LaSalle matrix thinking actually. Um sometimes there is American matrix thinking that's not the same um, and it certainly was post-dated mine. Right. Um, uh, I can assure you. But mine is called LaSalle, But if you just Google Roger LaSalle, you'll find plenty of references, just as I'm sure they do if they Google your name.
0: Yeah, okay. So Roger LaSalle, that's Roger, then L-A-S-A-L-L-E. I can tell the listeners that I do have uh, one of Roger's books, and I find them extraordinarily easy to read, very straightforward, very clear. So uh, quite an unusual engineer in that you're... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep it simple. Keep, you keep it simple. You do keep it simple, and I, I guess that's um, that's why you've you've you know enjoying the success that you do. So look, I'd like to wind up, and th- I'd, again, thank you very much for for sharing your thinking with us, and for giving us so many great examples of of how you've actually done that. And I think that um, for those of us in small business, where we sometimes maybe think well, innovation isn't for us; it's for the big end of town; it's for the other people. I think what you're showing us is. It's all around us, and what we—if we don't take advantage of some of these opportunities and see them and discover them—then we shouldn't be too surprised if somebody else does. So, thank you, and we'll we'll have a look at your website, and I'll I'll suggest that people do indeed go along and um, and uh, see if they can snap up a copy of your book. So, finally, I'd like to ask you—you're you're clearly. Um, a man with a, a pretty diverse background you've done a lot of things you're doing a lot of things I can't imagine how you ever get to sleep at night you must be forever thinking about ideas can I ask you who's who's had a major sort of influence on you in your life in, whether it be in in work or what other other aspects and what did they what did they teach you?
1: Uh, that's, uh, no one's ever asked me that question. It reminds me of, of a scene out of The Office. <laughs> i bet you remember the scene
0: even. If I don't remember, actually, but I'll, tell then, me. What was the response?
1: Um, in the scene? Yes. Um, it was uh, Ricky Gervais was, um, who was interviewing the, the switchboard girl um, for a, 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 a review of her position, you know. Yeah. And the question was, who's had the greatest influence on you? And she said, oh, well, my mum. He said, no, no, not your family.
0: Uh, um, uh, (laughs) I think I know uh, where he was going with this and
1: and then he kept going
0: he kept uh, going until she said him
1: and she and he said, "Oh me? Are oh, you kidding? Oh well, um, do you mean greatest, yeah, okay, I'll tick that."
0: <laughs> so, well, Roger, I'm not expecting you were going to say that it's me. No. So
1: <laughs> I, no, I'd say probably some school teachers I had. I think I had I did had technical education. I had some teachers that were exceptional. Right, uh, I recognised it even in secondary school. I thought these are great teachers. I think they probably really switched on the light for me
0: mm. and you come from a sort of family of innovators or inventors no heavens oh. no. my father was a clerk at the local
1: council and my mother was a housewife all her life um my sister one's an art teacher and one's been a secretary no no technology at all mm. i was just i was
0: just a propeller it always well there you go fantastic well look you've been so interesting thank you very much roger LeSalle, I for joining that. us and i hope we'll talk to you again sometime thank Great. you thanks robert thank, thank you, you. And that's where we'll leave this show from Flying Solo. I'm Robert Gerrish, and we hope you'll join us next time. If you're looking to start a business or rejuvenate the one you're in, you'll find heaps of resources at flyingsolo.com.au and a supportive community on our forums and Facebook. Thanks for listening.